1: uh, my, spiritual, my spiritual
0: existence is blessed, black, and highly favored. My human existence is always uh, somewhere between O and K. But okay.
1: we're here. we alive. I'm, I am okay. I ain't between O and K. Let me tell you guys. So ever since I took that COVID-19 test, right? And maybe it was just my mind. But ever oh, since gosh. I took it, I thought I had coronavirus. I started getting sniffles. My head started hurting. I started having little body aches. Now, mind you, I've been working out. But still, I thought I had it. And it came back negative last night, and I was happy. Me and my daughter are negative. So, well, I was excited about that. All
3: Nobody right, now you got to get tested negative? again in three days.
1: <laughs> Nobody else cares?
3: Mm-hmm? No, that's Nobody good. Cares? Nobody else cares? That's, that's, great noise. Noise. that's a long time you? to wait. I told you I did mine, but you got your results in 15 minutes. And 15 minutes was a tough time for me to wait during that time. I was standing there. The doctor was like, okay, you can move away. We'll let you know. Yeah, no, my,
1: Mine was a full day. I kept hitting the... Uh, the assistant back like every physician's assistant back like every hour like hey did you get it back yet hey did you get it good did you get it she was like no you I'll, I'll let you know and then she got it she was like oh you're both negative you are fine and she sent me the report and i'm like all right so you i'm know excited they just,
3: changed, they just changed the coronavirus testing guidance
1: oh yeah well yeah, you know, you you know, this they, i just took i'm good money
3: no before mm-hmm. they said that if you came in contact with somebody who was positive that you should get tested. Now the new guidelines are saying that people without symptoms probably don't need it, even if you've been in close contact with an infected person.
1: I don't know what all that means, but for my daughter to NYU, she had to take it, so I took it with her. That's all I know.
3: Dr. Fauci was like, when did they make these new guidelines? He was in surgery, he said, when that happened, so he wasn't part of that conversation. He was under anesthesia, but now that's the new CDC guidelines. Uh,
0: I'll tell y'all, don't stop washing your hands and don't stop wearing your mask. I know Mm -hmm. that much. I don't know what the new CDC guidelines are, but nah, whatever.
1: Well, it it is Thursday, Throwback Thursday. We got a special guest joining us, an icon. He goes by the name of Nile Rogers. Yes, um, Nile. Some of you might not know who Nile Rogers is, but I'm sure you danced to a lot of the records he wrote, he produced, and even performed. A lot of people have sampled so many different things from him, whether it's uh, one of the the biggest rap films. Well, the first original rap song, I should say Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight was uh, They sampled his music uh, I'm Coming Out, Diana Ross, he wrote and produced that uh, Freak
3: Out
1: Basically, now Rogers Would body a lot of people in a verse oh, He, he did We
3: Are, fa- we are Family we are Can't forget family. that huge song
1: Yes, he did He, he did a, 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 um, so many different songs And he worked with so many different artists From Madonna to Lady Gaga, Daft Punk Christina Aguilera uh, Diana Ross, uh so many different uh artists. So he'll be joining us this morning. Yeah, it, I would love to see him Annie do a did. And he mm-hmm.
3: did this uh, scoring for coming to America.
1: And he did the scoring to coming to America. I, the only person he could do that with was Quincy Jones. Hmm. Right? I don't know. You but said, anyway.
3: Hmm? You said the only person that could do
1: that? A versus with him? Quincy oh, Jones? Oh versus. Okay. Yeah, versus against him will be with Quincy. That's all I could see. But anyway, mm-hmm. let's get the show cracking. Front page news, what are we talking about?
3: Well, let's talk about this NBA boycott. We'll give you some updates on what happened yesterday and what can we expect in the future when it comes to the NBA.
1: All right, we'll get into all that when we come back. Keep it locked. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning.
3: Morning, everybody.
1: It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Now, the NBA, there were no sports uh, last night or yesterday. You want to explain what the NBA did yesterday, Ye.
3: Yes, NBA players and coaches had an impromptu meeting in the bubble yesterday to talk about plans following the postponement of the playoff games from yesterday, which included. No, no, the New boycott.
0: Boycott of the playoff games. Not postponement, boycott.
3: Well, at first it's nope, a postponement because everybody, I don't know if everybody's in agreement right now on moving forward, what's going to happen. Well, but look, it's definitely it's a boycott.
0: What, LeBron wanted here's to clarify what, that. He, didn't, he said it's not a postponement, it's a boycott.
3: Here's what point guard George Hill had to say from the Milwaukee Bucks.
4: When we take the court and represent Milwaukee and Wisconsin, we are expected to play at a high level, give maximum effort, and hold each other accountable. We hold ourselves to that standard, and in this moment, we are demanding the same from lawmakers and law enforcement. We are calling for justice for Jacob Blake and demand the officers be held accountable. For this to occur, it is imperative for the Wisconsin state legislature to reconvene after months of inaction and take up meaningful measures to address issues of police accountability, brutality, and criminal justice reform.
1: Yeah, they now, said that.
3: They... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
1: Now they said the Lakers and Clippers have voted not to continue the NBA season, so they don't even want to come back. They like. Yeah,
3: they don't want to continue. They're, they're Those are the only two teams so far. Mm -hmm. That have seen
1: But but yesterday
0: All those teams boycotted Like you know The Bucks boycotted Mm -hmm. You know The Lakers boycotted The Clippers boycotted The Thunder boycotted The Rockets boycotted The WNBA team's boycotted The two baseball teams boycotted It's a boycott
3: Right It was more than Two major league baseball teams There were actually Three games Uh, and then also Major League Soccer, so WNBA teams. Now, here is a WNBA player, and she's actually speaking for the entire WNBA. Elizabeth Williams from the Atlanta Dream.
2: The consensus is to not play in tonight's slate of games and to kneel, lock arms, and raise fists during the national anthem. We stand in solidarity with our brothers in the NBA, and we'll continue this conversation with our brothers and sisters across all leagues and look to take collective action. What we have seen over the last few months, and most recently with the brutal police shooting of Jacob Blake, is overwhelming. And while we hurt for Jacob and his community, we also have an opportunity to keep the focus on the issues and demand change.
0: Yeah, I mean, boycotting is a hell of a statement. I like to stand there taking. You just got to make sure it's a plan. Make sure it's a call to action. You know, what do you do next? What are your demands? My man, Dr. West Bellamy, said last night that, you know, now that we have folks' attention, let's go after policy change. Let's collectively call for the end of qualified immunity and the reallocation of resources within those state, local, and federal police budgets. And I think, you know, in Milwaukee, the Bucks and the Brewers, they should ask for full transparency in the investigation, and they should push for them to fire and arrest the police. And on a national level, people could, you know, push to make the Senate pass the George Floyd Policing Act. You know, I just I just hope those brothers and sisters that are boycotting the building with folks who are already on the ground, you know, doing the work so they can decide how to collectively take action.
3: Now, Kenny Smith walked off the Inside the NBA set, and that was to show his support for the NBA player boycotts.
4: I haven't talked to any of the players. I'm just, like, coming in, even, like, driving here and getting into, into the studio, hearing calls and people talking. And for me, I think the biggest thing now is to kind of as a black man, as a former player, I think it's for best for me to support the players and just not be here tonight and figure out what happens after
0: that all good, just make sure you have a plan, just make sure it's a call to action you know make sure there's some 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 demands on the table mm-hmm. you know we're not going to play unless x, y, and z happens you know, and like I said, but- I hope they, that that they're all building with people that's already on the ground doing the work to figure out how to collectively take action.
3: Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, and Ernie Johnson did finish the show without him. All right, well, that is your front-page news, and we'll get into a lot more in the next hour as well. We'll give you some more updates on what's going on in Wisconsin. All right, get it off
1: your chest, 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, call us up right now. Phone lines are wide open again, 800-585-1051. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Let's go. This is your
0: time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or
1: black. it with your chest.
0: We want to hear from you on The Breakfast
5: Club.
1: So if you got something on your mind, yeah. let Hello, who's this?
5: Hey, this K. Man, what's happening? DJ MV
1: Queen.
3: What's G.
5: up, brother? brother Good morning. K. Get it off your chest, bro. Yeah. Oh, uh, man, I just wanted to uh, talk about the NBA Okay. and how they stood together, man, and um, how dope it was, man, just to see everybody on one accord, or for the most part, and to stand up and say, that, like they said, it's bigger than basketball. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. You just gotta make sure they got a plan moving forward, though. That's all. Yeah, make absolutely. Sure that they can, can, make sure they connected with people on the ground to figure out how to collectively take action and really push for some sort of change. So let me ask you, Charlemagne, what type of plans would you have in store? Well, you know, um, my man, Dr. West Bellamy, he said something last night that I I liked a lot. He said, you know, we can collectively call for the end of qualified immunity and and the reallocation of resources within, like, the local, state, and federal police budgets. Uh, I personally think that the brewers in Milwaukee and the bucks in Milwaukee, they should ask for full transparency in the investigation of the brother who got shot several times in the back, and they should push for them to fire and arrest the police, like, right now. And on the national level you know we we can collectively push to probably make the senate pass the George Floyd policing act you know right, that's the right. that's the that's the bill that the house uh it pushed through the house a couple months ago but of course the senate ain't pushing it through but those are the things i think we should be collectively pushing for now
5: yeah
2: and i, and I don't want them to forget about Brianna Taylor as well
0: see and all see, that yeah all of that's in the mm-hmm. George Floyd policing act it's start, it stops see, see, no knock
1: on warrants the thing is, is, is we can scream, we can cry, we can yell, we can fight, we can kick. But the problem is, is there has to be an investigation. No matter what it is, it has to be an investigation, right? Before anything really goes to trial or it goes to court or any of those things. I feel we need an outside investigator. We can't keep using the same investigators that work for the companies that we're investigating. That makes no sense. Can you do that? Can the police... I I always wonder about that. I don't know. Can the police do that? Can the police have outside investigations? But that's that's what we need. Yeah, they can do that. Just same thing if if somebody up here on The Breakfast Club does and They say, okay, Envy, you investigate. Okay? Yeah, like I'm going to investigate on somebody I've worked with all this time that I might know, that I might have passed through. Yes. Envy
0: would love to do cavity searches on all the guys up here at the show. That's where he he would start the investigation. Always play.
1: See, you always play. Thank you, brother, for calling, man. See? Peace, King. That's the first thing that you think about, huh? Cavity search, man. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake up. Wake your ass. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to
0: hear from you on The Breakfast
1: Club. Hello, who's this?
4: Well, man, I'm this slice Beach from New Orleans. Man, I had called out today. Man, I got two things. Man, y'all heard about them hurricanes hitting Louisiana?
0: Yes, sir.
3: Yes. Hurricane
0: oh, Hurricane yeah. Laura
4: and um, what's the other one? Man, Laura. Uh, I, the, the other one ain't really doing nothing. Marco, man, it's Laura telling that turn up late Charles right now. I thought they
0: said. I thought Is they it
4: said. Is it a
3: mandatory of, evacuation order?
4: Yeah. Man, I'm in. I'm in New Orleans, man. I'm. I'm glad you know it didn't hit us, but I'm. You know, pray for them people. And another thing, man, you know, I, I called the other day by my son, niece, like Megan. Man, the the Breakfast Cub family again. They came through. It was hitting me up, but y'all ain't never comment, like, do nothing. Like, man,
0: y'all, y'all show me. You are your selfish. Love, you want us to comment and
1: like on your page like at a time like this? this? You got all those people like coming like, to you, and yeah, you, you're good, like brother.
4: This. I feel like if y'all comment or whatever like that, maybe Megan oh. might see it or whatever like that. Do you see what's, what's that you see
0: what's going on in the world this week? Do you see what's going on in the world this week, you worried about people commenting and liking on your page? Okay? hello who's this
5: oh my god hi my
3: good name
1: morning. is aaron hey, aaron. hey
3: aaron. good morning charlemagne How and queen. <laughs> good morning oh uh, so i was watching um uh, the NBA little highlights
5: last night and there was this white woman who said that she thinks the NBA players
6: should be disqualified for sitting hours boycott and i don't think that's fair at all i don't feel like I feel like white people feel like they can never watch another NBA game and that they should be in trouble for it. But it's not, that's not the point. It's just frustrating.
0: I don't have time for culturally clueless white people who mm-hmm. don't understand why the NBA players are boycotting. Okay, if you don't understand why the NBA players are boycotting, then you don't understand racism, bigotry, or the police brutality that black people face in this country. So why are we even having a conversation?
1: All right, well, Tom, told right.
0: you got to stop hanging up on people. Word, Jesus Christ! She didn't even finish a thought. Anyway, mean, we didn't get to say her, tell her piece or nothing. Sorry if it sounded If it ended so abruptly It's because drama bored up Just hangs up on people Just like why? You yeah.
6: complain when I don't Hang up on people And then now you want to Complain when I'm Cutting it to the at, point
0: l- at, at least know when A call is finished You talk oh, on the man. phone Every day Now a guy is rapping For six minutes If
1: a guy is rapping For it. six minutes that's Yes it. cut him off But if a young lady Is, is giving Showing her her, her feelings In her heart you let, you let her speak She Drum, gave you yeah. her
6: point He reacted And then we move on To the next thing It's a very easy thing That we do every single day guys
0: We apologize for drums, um,
1: disrespectfulness. You done? Yes. Are okay. oh, you gonna hang up on us now, too? I mean, trust me, if I could, I would. <laughs> get it off your chest. 800 585 1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up at any time. Now, we got rumors on the way.
3: Yes, we'll be talking about Joe Button. He is walking away from his deal with Spotify. We'll tell you what he had to say.
1: All right, we'll get into that next. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club everybody it's DJ Envy Angela Yee Charlamagne the guy we are the Breakfast Club let's get to the rumors let's talk Joe Button this is the rumor report with Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club
2: So listen
3: up well it's official it looks like Joe Button has plans to leave Spotify you know his podcast is on Spotify that's where his exclusive deal is here's what he had to say on his last podcast
0: What seven episodes left means is that September 23rd, this podcast, new episodes of this podcast will no longer be available on Spotify exclusively. September 23rd, I cannot tell you where this podcast will be, but as it stands, I can tell you where it will not be. And that is Spotify. Is he really leaving though? Because I listened to that whole
1: rant yesterday and at the end he was like,
0: hopefully we can talk today, Spotify. Hopefully we can. <laughs> but you know what it is—he's he's ramping up. You know,
1: it's kind of like you know when when you're in an argument with your girl or or ladies, you're in an argument with your man. And you be like, "Ah, word! I'm leaving! I'm leaving!" And then when you walk out the door, you really ain't got nowhere to go. So you really just about to come back in the house, but, yeah. but you just gotta—you gotta you gotta, you gotta, you say. gotta watch you gotta watch what you say on the way out because you might say something
0: that makes that person say, "Well, you know what? Gone then." <laughs> Make you know him know lock I mean? the door
1: so you can't get back in. But that's
0: what oh, he worried.
3: said. I mean, he said, "I can't tell you where it will be, but I can tell you where it will not be." And that is Spotify. And he said that Um, he only has seven more episodes of the podcast that will be released there. Now, Spotify did not comment when they were asked for a comment, so... But
1: he's supposed... But, I mean, that's what he's supposed to do. I don't know if he's supposed to do it on on, on his podcast, but that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to tell everybody he's leaving so other people out there know that he's leaving and could possibly give him an offer. Um, I didn't hear the podcast, but, you know... I did. I listened to the whole
0: thing. Not the whole podcast, but I listened to that whole rant. Um, It starts around the 64-minute mark. But, I mean... It sounds to me like Joe Budden is a person who knows his worth but doesn't know how to properly negotiate it. Because if you keep doing deals with various corporations and you keep getting trash ass deals, that's on you. Like things like vacation days, bonuses, all of that has to be negotiated in your contract from the beginning.
1: But that, but that should, should that be as manager or as agent or as an attorney? You know, shouldn't they be looking out for his best interest, especially somebody who's done this rodeo before that knows that? I mean, I know my attorney has been through this before, so she's helped a lot and you know, yeah. should shouldn't it be that? Like, you know, there's gonna be certain things that I might not know to ask for, but that's what I pay her for, right? Yeah, and also too, when I hear um like
0: when, when I heard Joe like comparing his show to like, you know, Spotify signing Gimlet for hundreds of millions and The Ringer for hundreds of millions and Paracaps for hundreds of millions. I think it's very important to note that they got that money from Spotify because they are actual networks with tons of IP. Those networks have a bunch of shows and other content, a bunch of staff that knows how to make those shows.
1: You can't compare your one show to a whole network. Yeah, so you, but it's one of the you, biggest... It's one of the biggest podcasts out there, and I, and, and and I don't want to say urban, I mean, but our 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 thing. And not this. He should be getting a, a lot more money than he's getting. Though. I'm not saying I'm not saying he shouldn't get a lot of money. What I'm simply
0: saying is, you can have the number one show on Spotify, but one of those networks might have six shows in the top ten. You know what I mean? Ten shows sure. in the top twenty. You That's have one well, hit now, show. I didn't
3: hear the the podcast. How much does he say he's getting?
0: Oh, I don't know. He didn't say he no numbers. Say he didn't say okay, no numbers. Okay, I don't know. That. He, he was just comparing it to the numbers that are out there for like The Ringer and, you know, Gimlet and other stuff like that. But like I said, you you have one hit show, but that network, Gimlet or The Ringer, might have 10 shows that are all hits, 10 shows that are all solid. So I all I said. know is that if you keep if you keep having the same issues with various companies because it was the same thing at Complex. It's probably not them. It's probably you, Joe. So listen to all the kids out there. You may know your worth, but you have to know how to properly negotiate it. But hey, what do I know? I'm just a man who's in the final year of his contract. My 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 deal is up in December. So what do I know?
1: You leaving? F you leaving, man? You f that? They don't <laughs> let me. If you don't give me a hundred million dollars, you're going outside. you you gonna do the same? You would never see me act like that. You
3: all would right, never, now... never see me act like that. Let's talk about some important things like Jacob Blake. Uh, Naomi Osaka has dropped out of the Western and Southern Open in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's her protest because of police violence. 22 years old, tennis superstar. She was scheduled to be in the semifinals uh, today at 11 a.m., but she posted a note announcing her decision to not play. And she said, Watching the continued genocide of black people at the hand of the police is honestly making me sick, to my stomach she said before i am an athlete i am a black woman and as a black woman i feel as though there are much more important matters at hand that need immediate attention rather than watching me play tennis i don't expect anything drastic to happen with me not playing but if i can get a conversation started in a majority white sport i consider that a step in the right direction
0: drop one of clues bond for that young lady you know, I respect it. Listen, I respect all the boycotting. You know, I, like I said earlier, though, just make sure it's a plan behind it. Make sure it's a call to action. Make sure you got some demands. Like, what are you going to do next? Connect with people that are already on the ground, you know, doing that work so you can collectively come up with a plan of action. This, we got some black leverage right now. You got to use it. but just, just, just know what you're doing. That's all. All right.
1: all
3: right. And LaMelo Ball is finalizing his endorsement deal with Puma. Now, apparently, he'll be the first of the Ball Brothers to actually step outside of the Big Baller brand and do a major endorsement deal.
0: Okay. So that's that Rock that, that's that rock Nation connection for sure. <laughs> hey, <her Puma. laughs> you you, you signed the Rock Nation and you're getting this Puma deal. I love Puma though. That's all I wear, to be honest with you. I wear Pumas and I wear Yeezys because they're comfortable, mm. not for style. You don't know wear Jordans? Hell no. Jordan's so uncomfortable. That's why I got two coins on my baby toes now. Nah, the ones are very I comfortable. I wear the ones all the time. Mm-hmm. No, no, I know. Jordans are too uncomfortable for me. I like, I do, I think I like the fives, I think. I don't know what I like from Jordan. I don't wear Jordans. They hurt my feet.
1: The ones are comfortable.
3: <laughs> all right, well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report.
1: All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now we got front page news coming up. What are we talking about?
3: Yes, and we are going to discuss more about what's happening in Wisconsin, and we'll be talking about Jacob Blake, and we'll talk about the teenager, the 17-year-old who was arrested and has been connected to an overnight shooting during a protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Really, uh, I don't even know where to start, but we'll we'll get into it.
1: All right. We'll get into that next. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning.
3: Hey, morning everybody. It's DJ
1: Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good Yee. morning. Okay. Yee's mic is off. Yeah, are you there? I not, it's not,
3: it's not now. I had to reset.
1: Oh, I okay. was like trying to talk to you. All right, well, let's get in some front-page news. Where we'll we starting, you?
3: Well, let's start in Wisconsin, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the Wisconsin cop who fired seven shots into Jacob Blake's back has been identified, Officer Rustin Shesky. More details from this case are being released and it's being investigated by the Wisconsin Department of Justice Division of Criminal Investigation. According to the department, they said Kenosha Police Department officers were dispatched to a residence after a female caller reported that her boyfriend was there and he was not supposed to be there. During the incident, they the police attempted to arrest him. They used a taser to try and stop him, but it did not work. Now they said that's when... Jacob Blake walked around his vehicle, opened the driver's side door, and leaned forward. Officer Sesky was holding onto his shirt and fired seven shots into his back. Now they had said that he had a knife, but there according to the report, they said a knife was recovered from the driver's side floorboard in his car. So they said there was no way he had that knife in his possession because he well, was even close. It wasn't even close to him when he was shot in the back. So they said no other weapons were found in his car either.
0: I, I saw I saw them say that yesterday uh, during the press <clears> conference. <throat> uh, he, mm-hmm. he admitted he had a knife. And how does that justify two police
1: officers uh, shooting this young man in the back? Right. Now, if time. he had a knife and he was swinging the knife at the officers, then that's a different situation. But we didn't see that. And this is the thing, right? This young man, he wasn't built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He wasn't diesel. He didn't look huge. Those two officers could have threw him on the floor or got him on the floor. They didn't have to shoot him 11 times if he was such a threat. If he was such a threat uh-huh. and they were so scared, they could have got him on the floor. He wasn't huge. It, it wasn't like shot, shooting 11 times and just come on now. Come on now.
3: Well, they're saying the knife couldn't even have been in his possession at that time because it was too far away anyway. And he they said recovered he kept- it from in the car.
0: And they said he kept tasing him, um, but, but that didn't work. I, I would look at it like this: if I was tasing a man and it didn't work, clearly God don't want me to have this individual. So let the man
1: go. But isn't that crazy? It seems you see all these cases where they tase somebody and tasers are not working. Like they have to like they gotta stop with the tasers then. That to tell like, you something. All the time they're like Maybe we tried to tase him but it didn't work. Leave like, God's children alone. Leave people alone sometimes. And if you ever get tased. And if you ever get tased, I just want to say this last thing. And if you ever get tased, you're not going to sit there and get tased and be like, okay, I'm stopping. No, it shakes the ish out of you. You want to run and get the hell out. I got tased before and it wasn't like, okay, I'm just going to stay here and get tased. No, you're trying to move. Like you want to you wanna get the F out the way. Like nobody's saying, I'm just going to tase and lay here. No, it don't work like that. It doesn't work like that.
3: Okay. Now let's talk about the 17-year-old who was arrested in the connection with the shooting of three people. Two of those three people died. I didn't want to visualize that. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse (laughs) is his name, and he is from Antioch, Illinois. So he has been charged with first-degree homicide over the shooting of three people at the Kenosha protest. They said he was obsessed with Blue Lives Matter, and he appeared on Edge before the shots rang out. Here he is doing an interview before the shooting.
7: What are you doing out here? Obviously, you're armed, and uh, you're in front of this so business we saw burning last night, so what's up? So
5: people are getting injured, and our job is to protect this business, and part of my job is to also help people. If there's somebody hurt, I'm running into harm's way. That's why I have my rifle because I need to protect myself, obviously.
7: Non-lethal, but you didn't respond. Mental we don't have non-lethal. So you like guys are full-on ready problem. to defend the property? Yes, we are. Hey.
3: So he, earlier in the night, was standing guard with militia members outside of local businesses, took it upon himself uh, to do that. They said on social media, he idolized the police, he idolized guns and the Blue Lives Matter movement, and he was arrested Wednesday at his home in Antioch, Illinois, about 20 miles from Kenosha. Crazy that he was able to walk around with that rifle and nobody stopped him and actually shoot people. Yeah, like like yeah. said behind people. the scenes,
1: where, where was this and young go man's home. parents? Like, where was his parents? Like, your parents just let you go out during protesting at the age of 17? Like 17, you know Envy? No, yeah. old 17 is? Yeah, seven. I know how old 17 is. I have a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old, and, and he's about to be 17, but I know where he's at 24-7, and I know if they're yeah, protesting, but, my but, son's going to be home but, at night. But, but if your nineteen year old wanted to get up and go, he could get up and go. He's legally able to get up and go without asking you to go. No, somewhere. not in my house. I don't know how things work in other people's houses. But if that night, my daughter cannot just get up and go anytime she wants, not in my house. Yeah, but well, you can't. All, all I'm simply saying is you house. can't
0: you you can't control a, a seventeen year old, eighteen year old. You hope and wish for the best, but if he wants to go protest, he can go protest. Tell that to my parents. You can't put the, you can't put the blame on the parents for that.
1: All right. Some of it has to be.
3: All right. Now, the Kenosha police chief, Daniel Miskinis, uh, talks about the incident, and it feels like he's acting like the people who were out there protesting and who got shot and even killed were to blame. Listen to this.
7: Everybody involved was out after the curfew. The curfew's in place to protect. Had persons not been out involved in in violation of that, perhaps the situation that that unfolded would not have happened. So the last night, a 17-year-old individual from Antioch, Illinois, was involved in the use of firearms to resolve whatever conflict was in place. The result of it was two people are dead. This is not a police action. This is not the action, I believe, of those who set out to do protests. It is the persons who were involved after the legal time, involved in illegal activity that brought violence to this community.
0: Well, Mr. Officer, uh, not Mr. Officer, just keep that same energy when folks... Fighting against the injustice have those same guns, okay? Because I've been telling y'all this forever. When you are a black person in America, owning a legal firearm is a form of self care. If young men like Kyle are gonna be out there with their weapons, then you need to have yours. You got guns, mm-hmm. we got guns too. Simple as that. Like it's really First just things that first,
3: that's the police chief, he's gotta go. I mean, that is ridiculous. That's your statement after people got killed for protesting. Absolutely. After- your and police he, officers has a man now paralyzed from the waist down?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's trying to say, he's, he's he's simply trying to say if you didn't follow the rules, if they would have just followed the rules, they wouldn't have got shot. Oh, please. Just keep that right, same energy. Well,
3: that, that is your front page news.
1: All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now when we come back, Nal Rogers will be joining us. Now Rogers is a Ooh. writer, producer, an artist. He's an icon, a legend, produced so many records, worked with so many artists from Madonna to the Sugar Hill Gang to Pharrell, you name it. So we're gonna kick Durant, it with him, Durant. Diana Ross. Now is Durant one of my Durant.
3: favorite people in the world. So I'm used excited to work for him now, too, right? Rogers. Yes, I did. used to work for Nile Rodgers. He's one of my favorite people. He also has a book out that you guys should read when you have the opportunity. He has an amazing, amazing life story. Let's freak!
1: All right, so we'll talk to him when we come freak back. Out. Don't move. It's a throwback Thursday, and it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Back, back, back checking out the world's most dangerous morning show. Morning everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee. Charlemagne the guy. We are the Breakfast Club and we got a special guest on the line, a legend and icon. That's we right. We have Now Rogers on the line. Good morning.
0: Good morning y'all. What's
1: up? What's How's happening now? Good morning, brother. Hey.
3: Now, just some background, I've been trying to get Nile Rogers on this show for the longest, but you're always traveling all over around the world. So now this pandemic has caused you to have to sit down for a minute. And full disclosure, now used to be my boss and the nicest boss, the best boss I've ever had. So it's an honor to have you on The Breakfast Club.
1: Thank you, Angela. How was Angela an Yee as one of your employees? How was Yee <laughs> as your employees? And what did she do?
2: So, so let, me, let me give you a little background. Ever since I sort of got into this phase of my life, I basically have been living for the songwriter. So I started a label that was concentrating mostly on video game composers. So I started a, a label and a distribution company. I believe that I was the first African American who had a national distribution company that was, you know, a really solid, legit national distribution company. And we did it. We had a lot of big games. I mean, we 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 did everything from uh, the Halo. biggest, obviously, Halo. Yeah, uh, but, God, uh, damn. So, but <laughs> yeah, it was great. You know, God of War, Gears. I mean, we did so many, wow. so many big ones.
1: And what did you um, do? What what was Yee's job?
3: You, I was doing marketing. Everything. But I'm going to tell you perfect. how, me and now the first meeting we had, and this is so interesting because this really goes to show you the type of person Nal is. So mm-hmm. I had a meeting with him because uh, my friend Scotty and Charles Scotty owns Engine Room, where I record my podcast now. And now I was about to give a bunch of money uh, to somebody who wanted to do some records, but that person wasn't even affiliated with the group that they claim to be working with. So they were like, can you please go talk to Niall? I don't want him to waste his money giving it to this person. So I went to have a sit down. We ended up talking for hours. But afterwards, he was like, what do you do? I kind of like your vibe. And that's how I ended up working with Niall, just like that. He was like, I want to get you to come work here.
0: You know, now, you know, you have one of the most diverse pins probably ever in music. Like, and, and, and one song I always think about, you wrote Madonna like a virgin. What, what was your inspiration to be able to write that record about such an intimate moment for, for a woman?
2: Let me set the record straight. So I didn't write Like a Virgin. I basically rewrote Like a Virgin. So basically, Madonna brought in a demo. And, and that song, Like a Virgin, the demo was pretty laid out. But what I, what I convinced her to do was to allow my band Sheep to play it and reinterpret it. And my reasoning was that Madonna hadn't really blown up yet. And I convinced her that if she did a purely electronic version of Like a Virgin, that it would just seem like anybody's record, but only Chic interprets music the way we do it. And so I convinced her to do that. And basically, with our reinterpretation, Like a Virgin had a more intimate feeling because the song to me was touching upon a subject matter that Madonna had to show me was really, really important. (laughs)
0: <laughs> in a strange way, you're an architect of hip-hop because, you know, you, you you made the Good Times record, Sugar Hill Gang, sampled that for Rappers Delight, so you're kind of like an an architect of hip-hop. Do you look at yourself in that way?
2: No, I don't because I never want to take credit for things that I didn't do intentionally. As a matter of fact, when I saw uh, the first time I went to what they used to call back in the day uh, hip-hop, uh, and I said, well, why do you guys call it that? They said, because we take something hip and we hop on it. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't <laughs> kind of idea. I was like, oh. and, then, and then I get there, and I get there, and the only song they were playing was Good Time, playing the breakdown, right, <laughs> playing the breakdown and the drop from Good Time. So like hours and hours and hours, and there was a long line of MCs standing in line waiting to go up to the mic and drop their rhyme over, over the break of Good Time. I'm like, damn, what is this? Mm-hmm. Now,
3: now, you know what was intentional? You did also write the biggest gay anthem, I would say, to date. I'm right? coming out. hmm
1: <laughs> I'm coming out. Solomon knows that one boy. Yeah, <laughs> excited, look at him. He's so excited now, look at
3: him. Uh, that's a great did record. You know, uh, did you know immediately that you know, was a hit? Oh, yeah, we knew, so
2: yo, Angela, so what, what, what the deal was, so back at that time, I was living around the corner from Studio I was, I was living on 52nd Street, and the back door of Studio 54 was on 53rd Street between uh, 8th Avenue and Broadway. So
7: literally, one block
2: of Yeah. But in that part of Manhattan, Hell's Kitchen. And in Hell's Kitchen, there were a lot of clubs. But there were also a lot of, a lot of gay and trans clubs in that neighborhood, too, because it was an area called the Trucks. And so in that neighborhood, there was a club called the Gigi Barnum Room. And that was mainly a trans club. So this night I was club hopping and one of the stops was Gigi Barnum room. And I went to the bathroom um, in those days. I have to admit that I was, uh, usually when I went to the bathroom, it was for... Sniff a little
3: cocaína. I, oh, yeah, cocaine? Okay.
0: Come on, now. That, that was that okay. era. Come yeah. on, now. Nothing to be ashamed uh, of. Okay, so But every
2: but every now and then you actually did have to use the bathroom for the purpose. <laughs> to the for. So I went in the bathroom... <laughs> And I'm standing there at the urinal, and I look on either side of me. It was at least three deep Diana Ross impersonators. Now, this is early in my career. This is summer of 1979. And I'm going, oh my God, the light bulb goes off my head. I think of James Brown, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. <laughs> and I think <laughs> only gave me what I go, this is it? Man, I gotta make a record about this, but how do I do it and fly under the radar? Mm -hmm. So at the time, we were... The deeper,
3: the deeper hidden hidden meaning, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Exactly.
2: So I had to run outside and call my boy (laughs) and say, look, write this down because I know I'm going to stay out all night and forget it. And he was asleep. Look, 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 man, what you want me to do, man? I said, write down, I'm coming out. Said,
0: what? 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 No. <laughs> <laughs> Based off the context I, I of the situation, it. he was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no
1: what? <laughs> what club you at again? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's exactly that's pretty much what what went down. Then I explained the situation to him and he said, Oh yeah, 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 I get it and um we sat in the student, we wrote it and believe it or not. The truth is, is that Diana Ross had actually said that to us. Not that she was coming out because she was gay. We were the only ones that she had confided in uh, that she was leaving Motown. And you know that after that record, which was her most successful album ever, we still are making huge money off that.
3: So, and Barry Gordy didn't believe in that record or Upside Down, right? It, I remember no, she, she believe- thought that it was going to ruin her career.
2: Why? Yeah. The, uh, as not only Barry Gordy, but Frankie Crocker, who was the number one DJ in the world at that time, told her after he listened to the song, he said, You know, Diana, this is going to ruin your career because people are going to think you're gay. And she says, I'm not gay. And she came back to the studio and she actually confronted us. And she says, You know, why are you guys trying to ruin my career? And we said, "D." If we ruin your career, we're going to ruin ours. And and I say this, it's the only time in my life that I actually lied to an artist. I said, Diana, you know, we come from R&B music and we have so many songs that we could play when we start our show. What do you say to your band when you get ready to come out on stage? And she was like, I don't know. I just, you know, we just have our set as a limo. See, in black music here in New York, what we do is we say, yo, guys, what song are we going to come out with tonight? Mm-hmm. da da <laughs> you lied to her, but it worked. Then when she got into it, then I got all ambitious. And I said, you know what, Diana? After this song comes out, you will never, ever in your life come out to another song. This is going to be your opening song for the rest of your life. I don't know if anybody has seen Diana Ross in the last 35 years. If you have...
1: She comes out to that yeah, song. Hey. All right, we got more with Now Rogers. when we come back. Don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning, morning everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne. The guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now we're still kicking it with Now Rogers. Now, of course, he produced "I'm Coming Out" and wrote "I'm Coming Out," but Diddy and Big had to call him to clear "More Money, More Problems." How was that conversation? There
2: was actually no problem. I mean, Diddy and I. I mean, Diddy used a bunch of my songs that I worked on. I mean, you know, uh, Notorious. Anything. From- yeah, yeah, yeah. Notorious, um, fake record, uh, Love Love Like This. And, mm-hmm. um, and there was a joke at the time, as a matter of fact, I've become down with a lot of his producers. There was a joke at the time that, damn, anytime they ran into a jam, I would just go pick up an Al Rodgers record. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wonder now, why, why not just tell uh, Diana from the beginning that, hey, this song is going to serve a dual purpose. It's going to be a gay anthem and it's going to be your coming out party for more time
2: because we didn't think that that was the proper thing to do because she had sat down and told us about her life. So we wanted to accurately represent her life. But the thing is, is that since we had started with Chic, we had always had dual meanings on our songs because I came from a very political background um, and Bernard came from a background where they were sort of subservient. I mean, it was weird. So I, I knew that there was a way that as a musical artist, that you could use your pen to talk about the subject on multiple levels. So, Diana, we interviewed her uh, extensively before we wrote one note of music. And that was really mm-hmm. important. I was trying to tell you earlier, you know, when, when we did the record with Just The Slaves, because we had just written the whole album without them. They didn't even hear any demos until they got to the studio, And we were just finishing up the lyrics, as Kathy will tell you, to We Are Family when they walked in. And when they walked in, boom, your album is done. Just sing this and you got it. So we Mm, didn't want to see Diana Ross because um, Sister Sledge let us know that they felt disrespected and blah, blah, blah. But now they say, man, thank God we went along for the
3: ride. Glad we listened.
2: Is We Are Family the
3: the biggest song of your career, you think? We Are Family, as far as financially?
2: What's the biggest? No, no, no. Uh, Freak Out, La Freak, way bigger. It's the biggest mm-hmm. selling single okay. in the history of Atlantic
4: Records. To it
2: even case. topped like four-minute Florida topped us four-minute, but because of streaming, La just had a wider audience, and now it went back up to the top. And I, I don't think, following the statistics, I don't think any song on the Atlantic Records will ever top it. Wow.
3: And Nelson Mandela was a huge fan of We Are Family, correct? You met Nelson Mandela and had no idea how much it impacted him
2: so when I met Nelson Mandela, the two things that I was involved in that he blew, blew him away was we are family and coming to America. And he <laughs> said, we are family. when he was in the cell that he could hear a song by black girls being played on the white radio station, which was totally, it just never happened in South Africa. Right. And then, um, I, I meet him after he's released down at Robert De Niro's restaurant and he walks in the door and he's like, He's like President Clinton, you know, like wants to talk to every single person in the room. And when he finally got to me and Bernard, somebody said, oh, yeah, these are the guys who wrote Africa. Because a lot of African people think that the goes, Africa. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like, bam, you are the man. You wrote Africa, Africa. Africa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, you also mentioned Coming to America. Are you working on a new film, Coming to America, as well? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's um, a guess.
2: I, I, yeah. I, um, I wrote the theme song. So, yeah, they uh, just called me last week.
3: Is that you singing Just Let Your Soul? Just let your soul.
2: I wrote it. I sang it, and I was laughing because I said, damn, I know one brother who could actually pull this off and sound real. Because that's the thing about comedy when you do comedy you got to be dead serious about your jokes right so <laughs> like i did be the butthead and we were doing that and we and mike judge and i were writing songs in character you know like i didn't talk to him like i was nile i talked to him like i was butthead you know i would like go <laughs> i would do homework for your love you know and stuff like that you know so when i was singing soul globe to john landis he was on the floor crying i was <laughs> like going all right Well, I know the brother who's really going to make you cry. And I I got Christopher Matt. Did you write, she's your queen to be
1: too? She's
2: your queen. No, no. no. So here's the thing is that the actor, Paul Bates, that's how he got the role. He used that as his audition. He wasn't supposed to sing it. He was just supposed to say, she's your queen to be queen. And, you know, like say, you know, deliver that. But he looked at it and he decided to sing it. And he made up a melody right on the spot. The only wow. thing is that Paul Bates was not a singer, so it was all over the place, so I put it in my sing clavier. He played it so that it sounds believable. I,
0: I want to make sure you finished your Nelson Mandela story. That, that was it? He, he said the Africa thing and we are family and that was it? No, no, no. And, you know, and coming to America. So he okay. okay. the
2: reason why coming to America was so powerful is because Eddie Murphy was there also at that meeting that night. So we were all in this room together and, and, and so, uh, Madiba tells us the story about how when Paramount Pictures released Coming to America the first time around, they insisted upon theater being integrated at the premiere. And that was something that resonated across the entire African continent. Black people and white people sitting together to watch a movie in South Africa, that was like the Civil War. It shows you that music and art, the visual arts, dance, everything has the power to communicate in a much more powerful, in a cerebral way, or, you know, after the theater was forced to be integrated, well, apartheid actually fell just a few short years after that. I mean, so that wow. may, I mean, we won't take credit for stopping apartheid in South Africa, <laughs> but when something that's a big cultural phenomenon happens, I mean, you guys have to know you're a cultural phenomenon. When a cultural phenomenon takes place, people can't deny it because it touches their heart. Like you become a human being in their eyes, even if they don't want you to marry their daughter, they still can embrace you in a certain way. They look at you differently.
0: Right. You know, it's so interesting. I just want everybody to uh, note that now. Roger said the Breakfast Club is a cultural phenomenon. Let's not skate past okay. that. Okay, that means something. It. All right. (laughs) right. (laughs) But the the Sister Sledge record, We Are Family Now, is there a hidden meaning in that?
2: Oh, yeah, man. Of course. As as I said, um, so this was an album that we had written about these four girls that we never met. So we had to invent an identity. And once we invented that identity, then we only wrote songs that pertain to those four people we didn't know kathy was 16 we didn't know she was a virgin we didn't know any of that stuff we just know mm-hmm. what the record company had told us. you know that they were like family to us and they would stick together and like birthday mm-hmm. we went home and we're like oh okay so we had to just make it up and once we made it up and they walked in the room and they weren't that it was like oh my god what did we just do to these poor girls mm-hmm. well we didn't think that because we thought that our image of them was the
1: image that they should have
2: and in a way i feel proud because i watched them grow into those
1: people all right we got more with now rogers when we come back let's get into a mini mix some of the records he wrote some of the records that he performed some of the records that were sampled from him All right, a now rogers mini mix is the breakfast club good morning that was a now rogers mini mix morning everybody Is dj envy angela Yi Charlemagne the guy we are the breakfast club we're still kicking it with Now's Roger. Now, Charlemagne? Now, what's been your experience with racism?
2: All throughout my life, I have had guns put in my face over and over and over and over again by cops or just random white people. If I'm down South playing somewhere, we played in Augusta, GA. We were all happy. We're, we're playing in James Brown's hometown. Man, I walked out. I was going to a horse-riding stable. These dudes rolled up on me, put guns in my face and said, boy is that your girlfriend because the manager of the club i asked her to take me to a horse riding academy and she was from ireland and she said oh yeah there's one right down the road i'll drive you blah 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 because i was even too young to get a rental car you can't rent a car until you're 21. he drove me and these guys were like if i had said yes, my wife or my girlfriend boom i wouldn't be here talking to you there would be no hey. shoes, you know not running but that was just one that's one of a hundred i could talk to you about a hundred times that either either police or just random white people would have some kind of beef and say you know you need to back off serious n-word so that reality has always been in my world even in the music
0: game you grew up in the civil rights movement but you was young but did you understand the magnitude of that moment because i know eventually you became a black panther so i'm just trying to figure out you know what, what sparked all that
2: yeah i i did understand it so i was in elementary school when president kennedy got shot in 1963 and i remember one girl in the class saying yeah it's a tragedy but you know martin luther king could be president just like president kennedy and all the kids jumped on her and beat her up and i went over and i protected her and i walked her home and she became my sort of girlfriend at 11 year old we didn't go all the way yeah. Coming. uh, (laughs) (laughs) You didn't. You didn't get lucky. And for some reason, even though I was sort of like the joke of the class because I spoke the way I speak, they they backed off of her. And very soon after that, uh, the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan show, and she told me to come over her house and watch the Beatles. And I remember her talking about how Dr. Martin Luther King could be president, Mm just like President Kennedy. And things like that. Remember, I'm 11 years old now. And um, this is like hitting me like a ton of bricks because it's all starting to unfold in front of my face. These things were on television every night. And as a young black girl, um, she opened my mind a lot. So when were you a black panther? So I was uh, in the Black Panthers when I was 16 years old. So I was in the Black Panthers from 16 to 17. And then when I became 17... That's when the FBI COINTELPRO, that program uh, just destroyed the Black Panther Party. It would make uh, you believe that your best friend uh, was a cop or your best friend was gonna stab you in the back. It was, inc- wow. If you could have been in New York City at that time and seen the level of sophistication of the COINTELPRO, program, um, it, it was just incredible. It made us realize that we were children trying to fight a sophisticated government that had weaponry that we couldn't even imagine. And just to end the sort of Black Panther story, what really is a good thing in my heart is so many of those um, informants and FBI agents or police uh, trainees that um, set us up and went against us many of them have come up to me and apologized and said it hurts my heart every day that I did this. Wow. And a few years ago, I was walking around, and I went to visit the old office, and I was standing there, and a cop walked up to me, and he said, I bet you were in the party, weren't you? And this was a white cop. And I said, yeah, I was. He said, man, he says, my brother was a cop before me, and I'm apologizing for him. <laughs> mm. Wow. I mean, it brought tears to my eyes.
1: All right, we got more with Nile Rogers When we come back, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the guy. We are the Breakfast Club. we get still kicking it with Nile Rogers, icon, legend, writer, producer, artist, Yee.
3: Now, you said you've had a lot of instances with the police. Can you give us a specific story just to let us know what happened?
2: A few years ago, I was going up to produce a white rock and roll band, and uh, they were headquartered in Vermont. And, uh, you know, in the college town of Vermont. And somehow when I was driving at, at night, I missed where I was supposed to turn. And I was driving and driving and driving. And then all of a sudden the, the traffic uh, signs and the, the, the road signs started coming up in French. I was like, damn, well, why is it all of a sudden in French? And I realized I had driven so far north. I was now headed to Canada, right?
3: Right. I was like, oh my You really God. got now nah, you really got lost. I was like <laughs> I was
2: really lost. I was like, Man. <laughs> And at that point I decided to turn off the road and uh, fill up because now my car was running out of gas. Now I had a car that was worth about a hundred thousand dollars and it's yellow, and it was ridiculous looking. Anybody could spot this car a mile away.
1: What um, kind of car was it? I'm just curious for
2: myself. The, the Range
3: Rover? The yellow Range
2: Rover. Yeah, the yeah, yellow I, Range
3: Rover. I see, I've, yeah, I've, I've Range seen Rover.
2: that Range Rover. <laughs> it only made 100 of them, right? Um, so I pull off, and uh, there was no there was no gas uh, station on this part of the highway before I would run out of gas. So I pull off, and I see a sign that says you know there's gas and lodgings in this town in this particular on an, on the next off ramp, so I get off at the town and I go in there and it's a you know it's a proper little service station that's got a, a deli attached to it and all that sort of thing. I've had diabetes since i was since I was in my thirties, mm-hmm. so I just walk into the store and my car's filling up it's got a huge gas tank, so it's gonna take fifteen minutes so i'm I'm in there looking at the you know, whether I'm going to get Diet Mountain Dew or Diet Dr. Pepper or whatever, yeah. has enough caffeine to keep me up for this really long drive now back and finally get on the right exit. As I was standing there just looking at the sodas, two white cops burst in the door and tell me to get on the ground, but they're speaking together. So it's this cacophonous sound. And I, just, I don't know what they're saying. So I look behind me thinking they're talking to someone else. So I'm thinking, so I look back, and I'm thinking that if they had shot me and you saw the closed circuit camera, they could easily say he was looking to run. I wasn't looking to run. I just knew that they weren't talking to me. So I looked to see who they were talking to. I'm ready to duck before these guys start shooting. And I realized all of a sudden the puzzle starts to unravel that this white woman who was working there at, at the store, as soon as I walked in the door, she pushed the panic button. I didn't even wow. have any say hello or anything like that because I, I just was like trying to get my diet soda and figure out how many I got to get and what I'm going to get you know just normal stuff but he why should I be required to say hello and present myself as a nice presentable young man or whatever I was just I was a customer so I finally discerned that they're telling me to get on the ground and I ain't getting on the ground <laughs> so I just try and talk to them and say Do you want me to get on the ground with the Diet Mountain Dew or the Diet Dr. Pepper? And they could tell from the way that I'm speaking that, okay, I guess maybe he's not a criminal. I don't know what it is. But suddenly the situation starts to de-escalate and and calm down. Then now I feel like I'm in my space. I pay for the sodas, and I explain to them. I say, you know, all that happened was I missed the turnoff, and I'm trying to go to, uh, I think it was Montpellier. But maybe some other towns from on. I can't know. But whatever it is And I said to them, you know, I I was supposed to go here. I'm a record producer. I'm going to produce this band and blah, blah, blah. And I missed the turn off and now I find myself going to Quebec. And so they so they calmed down, they said, Okay, cool, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, Well, your record is what have you done? And then I you know, right away I just hit him with Let's Dance, you know, boom. Oh man, let's dance, oh. And probably I, I had just done some other big things. Oh no, it's just, yeah, uh, whatever. Whatever I did was the right thing, and they got all calm. Then now I'm in my element. I feel like now we're equal, now we can talk as men. And I say, I'm really curious. So you guys are state troopers, right? In your training, is there anything like a logic class? Like when you go into a crime scene or a potential crime scene, is there any kind of training that says, hmm, let me start analyzing the situation as I go in to best protect myself and best uh, equipped me for the situation that I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so when I said, oh, they started feeling real small. And I said, you know how much that car costs? You see how distinctive it is? You see that the-, the thing was filling up. It doesn't work until I put in the credit card or at least go to the woman and pay her. So there was a legitimate transaction going on. Right. Now, you could have thought maybe I had a gun on her and asked her to show up my car, but in a certain sense of lying, it. it'd be like if I had a Rolls Royce that I went, I mean, like, it does, certain things just don't, and don't happen. And, don't,
3: and don't we hold that woman accountable also for even pushing the panic button? Uh, that could have went. They didn't even get to
2: talk her. They understood where she was coming from. It was just really incredible. And it was just one in a long chain of incidents in my life, throughout my entire life, where police have pointed guns at me. And I'm only alive, honestly, just because they didn't shoot. Because they would have gotten away with it completely scot-free. And there was nobody to tell my story.
0: Yeah, I mean, You know, it's such a shame. It's a shame that we have to always make them feel safe, white people. We're always the ones in danger.
2: No, it is true that you just can't. I mean, look, you know, I'm still conscious of it when I get into an elevator. I remember one, one day we had turned a big multi-million dollar deal. And we go out to get a taxi cab on Lexington and 59th Street, and I'm with my attorney at the time, and I said, you know, I'm, and I'm all suited up and everything, and, and we go outside, and I try and get a cab. You know, even I'm in the company of white guys, still, at the end of the day, the attorney had to go get the cab. Yeah. Right. Wow. I've had to
3: get a cab. I've had to get cabs for a lot of people myself, so right. I get it.
2: I know we've been talking a long time.
3: No, I was going to say, we are going to definitely it. have to do a, a part two part of this. Part two, I absolutely. now has a million things that we could talk about but I do want to encourage Absolutely. people to go to wearefamilyfoundation.org the Youth to the Front Fund is about to open back up for applications in September so we want to make sure that people are aware of that and the youth really are leaders this is a global initiative that you have been doing and been passionate about now for how many years has We Are Family Foundation been?
2: Well we, can, we started right after uh, the tragedy of September 11th so we started the foundation officially in um, uh, 2002 Wow, so right. we appreciate
1: you for checking in, man, and giving us all this knowledge, man. We got to do a part two. Peace, man. Thank you. Thank you, it's been thank great. you so
3: Everybody much.
1: love you now. Now, Rogers, it's the Breakfast Club. Good morning.
3: This don't be a donkey, cause right yeah. now you want some real donkey it's, sh- donkey,
1: sh- donkey. Sh- donkey. it's time for donkey
0: of the day. So if you ever feel I need to be a donkey, <laughs> man, hit me with the hero. Uh-huh.
1: Did she get donkey name, Please tell me. I have become donkey of the day.
0: At the Breakfast Club, bitches. You're a donkey. Donkey of the today for Thursday, August 27th, goes to Kenosha, Wisconsin, Police Chief Daniel Miskinnis. Now, it's going down to Kenosha. The Sunday police shooting of Jacob Blake prompted protests all throughout the city. If you're just coming home from jail, if you've been out of the country, or you just disconnect from TV and social media because you're trying to stay mentally healthy, I understand. But you probably missed a young man named Jacob Blake gets shot in his back several times by the police in Kenosha on Sunday while he was just trying to get in the car with his kids. Now, of course, during the protests, there were riots. Some of the riots escalated into violence, and a 17-year-old young man named Kyle Rittenhouse was arrested after shooting. Three Kenosha protesters with an AR-15, two have died. Now, I'm watching this video of Kyle Rittenhouse, and I am confused. I feel like I'm only seeing one angle, and I don't know if I'm watching. uh, I don't know what I'm actually watching on this video because I see this kid, and he's running, and he falls, and it looks like a bunch of people tried to jump him. Someone hits him with a skateboard, and he starts shooting. Now, if a bunch of people are running after someone with an AR-15, then something happened. If you don't have a weapon and you are chasing someone with a weapon, then you are going off pure emotion and adrenaline because there is nothing strategic about that. You know your Uncle Charlotte always tells you to move off strategy, not emotion. So chasing someone with an AR-15 and you don't have a weapon, just a skateboard, that's pure emotion. So clearly something happened that we haven't seen. All right, Now, this young 17-year-old white man, after the shooting, after killing two people and wounding one, was allowed to walk right past the police in Kenosha with his AR-15, and nothing happened. He was able to just leave the scene with no problems. Oh, to have white privilege in America is a beautiful thing. White privilege is stronger than Starbucks Wi-Fi. Now, as said earlier, Kyle was arrested after killing two protesters and wounding one. Uh, I think he got arrested the next day. But, man, when I tell you that folks are coming to this young man's defense? Listen to the chief of police, Daniel Miskinnis, discuss the Kyle
7: Rittenhouse situation. Everybody involved was out after the curfew. The curfew's in place to protect. Had persons not been out involved in in violation of that, perhaps the situation that that unfolded would not have happened. So the last night, a 17-year-old individual from Antioch, Illinois, was involved in the use of firearms to resolve whatever conflict was in place. The result of it was two people are dead. This is not a police action. This is not the action, I believe, of those who set out to do protests. It is the persons who were involved after the legal time involved in illegal activity that brought violence to this community. Wow. (laughs) Daniel, let
0: me ask you a question. If you gave your son a curfew and he broke his curfew and got into a car accident, God forbid, and broke every bone in his body, would you go to the hospital and tell him this would have never happened if he hadn't broken his curfew? If you had a daughter and she broke curfew and she was assaulted, God forbid, would you tell her this would have never happened if she didn't break curfew? America, that is the chief of police in Kenosha. He's in a leadership role. Forget telling the community that they need peace, that there's no need to bring weapons to protest. You know, if you're protecting your house, your business... Yeah, you get it, you understand, but there's no need to just be out with your weapon looking for conflict. Forget all that, okay? Forget all that. It's because they broke curfew. That's why that happened. <laughs> now, you know and I know that if a black person fighting against injustice, fighting against police brutality, killed two people, okay, and wounded one, Daniel Miskinis would never blame that on people violating curfew, okay? Now, Daniel wasn't the only person making excuses for Kyle Rittenhouse uh, shooting and killing two protesters. Tucker Carlson also validated what happened. Let's listen.
7: We do know why it all happened, though. Kenosha has devolved into anarchy because the authorities in charge of the city abandoned it. So we're really surprised that looting and arson accelerated to murder. How shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would? Wow,
0: interesting hot takes. Okay, uh, black people in America, your Uncle Charles been telling you this, all right? But I want you to listen and listen to me good. When you black in America, owning a legal, keyword legal firearm is a form of self-care. And since people like Tucker Carlson feel like authorities abandoning a community, that sound familiar? Authorities abandoning a a community. If if people like Tucker Carlson think that justifies folks bearing arms to maintain order, then? let's flex our constitutional rights then. If young men like Kyle are going to be out there with their weapons, then you need to have your legal firearms as well. Okay, you got guns, we got guns too. And I want Tucker Carlson and Daniel Miskinnis to keep that same energy. Okay, we're not violent, thug, anarchists looking to cause trouble. We are proud to a supporters who believe in the right to keep and bear arms and it is our right as American people to possess weapons for our own defense. So, you know, because it's inevitable, when it happens, it's going to happen. When someone fighting against injustice and police brutality has to take out someone that's uh, against that, blame it on the people violating curfew. Please. Okay, Daniel? Officer Daniel, please, please blame that on the people violating curfew. And Tucker, I want to hear you say, how shocked are we that black people with rifles decided they had to maintain order in America after years and years of unchecked violence from police officers? Can we get that same energy when it happens? Because it's going to happen. It's inevitable, America. Please give Daniel Miskinis, the chief of police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the biggest he haw
5: uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. Matter of fact, let Chelsea Handler give him a little hee-haw as well.
3: Hee-haw, hee-haw. That is way too much, Dan Maynays.
0: All right. You think, we'll ever, you think we'll ever get that luxury? Do You think that, you know, when the shoe is on the other foot, because it's, it's going to happen, no. you think that when, when somebody fighting against police brutality and injustice no. has to defend himself against somebody who's on the other side, you think that they, Tucker Carlson will say, how shocked are we that black people with rifles decided they, they had to maintain order? No. In nope.
1: America. Not from Tucker no.
3: Carlson, nope.
1: Not at all. All right. All right. Well, thank you for that donkey today. Up next, Ask Ye. 800 585 1051 If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, call ye now. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Come on. Mom.
0: Need relationship advice? Need personal advice? Just need real advice. Call up now for Ask Ye. Keep the bread. bread.
1: Morning everybody, it's DJ N V Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? This is Jerome. Jerome Jerome Jerome. What's up, bro? What's your question Jerome for you?
5: Me,
1: yo. My bad, my bad. I'm Jerome from Iowa.
5: I uh just got a little excited. But yeah, so I wanna ask my girl to marry me. But it's whoop, whoop. we got a house together, we we uh living together, and shit, like stuff like that, and uh but I, I I need more attention. That's all I need is more attention. <laughs> I just, like,
3: okay, so you don't you feel don't, like you get enough attention. I, I just, so
5: yeah, because I, I don't want to go seeking any any attention from anywhere else., like.
3: uh, you shouldn't even be thinking about that. Now, when you say more attention, be specific. like what specific actions do you want her to take? Give us some examples.
5: Okay, so like, If I'm walking through the, if she walking through the house, she walks past me, I might grab her or something like that. Like grab her, grab her, her butt, her ass or something like that. But if, and if we land in bed, she like lay on my lap and don't even get, don't even acknowledge that I got a a penis between my legs. Like
3: what? So she's come, she's comfortable. You want her to, if she's laying in your lap, like acknowledge your penis? Is that what you're saying? What the hell is going going her to, that? you? You want her
5: to grab your butt when you is, walk past? I want more. What I'm trying to say is I want it more filacio. I want it more. Okay.
3: Offensive. Okay. So let me ask you this. How affectionate are you when you do those things? If she's laying in your lap, are you massaging her? Are you getting her ready? Are you kissing her? Are you romantic?
5: I'm very affectionate. I, I tell her I kiss her. I tell her I love her. I rub on her. Uh, I'm very affectionate. I try to show her... The things that I would want to be done to me. All right. Are, are I, you per, like, so you're, so you're at,
3: performing oral sex on her, and you want to return?
5: Yeah, to you. Yeah. I when I, I show my when I want I'm the type of person I show what I want in action.
3: Okay. And so when does do she not I, do it if you do that? Because sometimes you got to say things and not just you know do it. Sometimes you have to be very well, yeah, when I say, communicative.
5: When I say it, When I say it, it's like I'm pesterizing her. Like, it's like... Like, she's like, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want to get any... Yeah, you know, sometimes...
3: Sometimes people do have different sex drives. Like, how often would you say y'all have sex?
5: Maybe. Well, it's been like two weeks.
3: All right. So you... Mm-hmm. So you wanted more than that. And, you know, sometimes I think you got to get us in the mood, too. You have to do some foreplay, get us ready. Having sex isn't just jumping in the bed. It's like all throughout the day, we getting ready. You know, little sexy talk, cute messages, little nice things you can do in the house. Yeah,
5: I mean, that's true. I mean, I do stuff like that, like like candles and cook. I'm not no, like, no mask. Because
3: sometimes I can't stand when my boyfriend just be trying to just do it and stick it in. I'll be like, um... I need a little bit of warming up.
1: Yeah, I'm just talking about I just I just throw you a hand. <laughs> gotta start that engine up.
3: <laughs> yeah, you can't just, you can't
1: just start, just start got
3: <laughs> You can't just be sitting there I'm trying to watch T V, you want oral, I'm watching the T V show. Just wait a minute.
5: <laughs> but no, clear. I think sometimes
3: you got we you have to make day sure fiance. I love ninety day fiance. We watch,
5: we watch ninety day fiance and uh we uh we uh we follow y'all pretty pretty tight. i'm beyond that, I mean, I'm I'm happy with my girl. Uh, I just mm-hmm. you know got more fans, and I, I'm I'm glad y'all let me come on here, Charlemagne. I just got done uh, reading your first book. I'm getting ready to read your second book. Yo yo. Yo yo. But anyway... <laughs>
3: But, but, yeah, I, I think you got to, you know, you got to rev it up. Don't just try to go in. Don't think just because you grab her butt when she walks by and now she's ready to suck it. Like, you have to do more than just that. It's got to, no, be
5: It's yeah. nothing like that. Like, I'll, I'll go up to her while she's cooking or something like that when I get home from work and I'll kiss on her neck. You know, okay. like that. Like, that, that's the type of stuff I do. Like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm very affectionate, and I, I show my affection, like, a lot.
3: And, you know, I'm going to be honest, like, just showing affection is great. You showing affection doesn't always mean it has to lead to sex. Sometimes just doing that and not expecting sex, but just doing that for the sake of feeling affectionate is great. Sometimes it will lead to sex. Sometimes it won't. But, you know, sometimes you got to really communicate like, look, I've been missing you all day and I'm ready to tell me what you need. Let me just take care of you. Let me please you. And then normally once you get that started, that's when it goes down.
1: Let me eat your bokeh. Charlamagne, he's married, man. Leave him alone.
3: He's not interested in you.
1: Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he do that? <laughs> <laughs> you he do that? <laughs> <laughs> name I can't believe he
3: just <laughs> came
5: up He just and propositioned man. you. Thank you for
1: calling, <laughs> no, bro. I'm so sorry, Charlemagne. Shut up. I was sorry, giving
3: him a... He doesn't want your...
1: He
0: doesn't want
1: your... He doesn't want your... He doesn't want you to eat his bunkie. He's married and he's faithful.
3: He just came over here and screamed out that he wanted to eat your... and offered to give you his...
1: This is so... This is
0: so crazy. No! What I was okay. telling him was that's something he could say to his wife, because Angela was saying that was good advice. Angela was like, yo, you know, let me, let me tell you some things I want to do for you. That's something you could do for her. Let me eat your
3: bonky." That's not how you specified that. You have All to right, be well, in content- And The guy
1: he said, don't tease him with a good time. But anyway, ask ye. 800 585 1051 If you need relationship advice or any type of advice hit ye now, it's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Here's some real advice with Angela Ye, It's ask ye morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're in the middle of Ask Yee. Hello. Who's this? Envy. Yo. What's up, brother? What's up, brother? How you doing? I, you I want to ask you a question right quick. Go ahead,
6: okay, brother. Okay, I'm, remember, I'm I here. Same, I was the same one that called you, and you gave me a good movie reference. The platform, remember that?
3: Oh, yes. No. You saw the platform, and you enjoyed it? And then I
6: told, then I told you that uh, I called on uh, and mm-hmm. I moved up here and started businesses and stuff. But I want to ask you a question right quick, because I know Mm -hmm. y'all ain't got long. When I was down and out, I was going through a whole bunch of stuff, right? And Mm -hmm. then I decided to take my family and hit the road. So we came up here to Maryland, Baltimore, and I started two businesses. I have Let's Mm -hmm. Go Bounce bounce Houses, and I have two Mm -hmm. moms, Kayla, me and my wife. We started together. And then I had a family member that wanted to come up here and linger on us. So Mm -hmm. I was like, where were you? So now she's mad at me, and she don't want to talk to me no more, and I helped her get on her feet. So mm-hmm. you and Evie and Charlemagne, y'all got family members. In. Yep. What, what do you do in a situation where your family won't want to talk to you because you don't want to help them out no more?
3: Listen, I think that people have to be appreciative of what you have done for them. The problem that people have is that you can right. give and give and give, and then one day you're like, no, and you cut it off. So that, that you can stop enabling them for them to do what they have to do for themselves, for their own good, and also for your own mental well being, for you to be able to have your own space and take care of yourself and your own family. And right, then they get right. mad. That's not on you. That's on them. Yeah, they're mad. And so just get mad. Mm-hmm.
1: You know what's yeah. so crazy? I just did a podcast on that uh, this week and talking about, you know, people and family members and friends asking for money. But you gotta do what's best for you, bro. Like, you can't yeah, feel, feel guilty angry. and feel like, well, oh, I got to give them because they my family. No, you got to make sure your yeah. house and everything is secure first. And if you can't give it, you can't give it. And if they don't want to talk to you because of that, F them. That's
6: because you work hard. You do what and you got wanna... to I know that happened to y'all plenty of
3: times. Plenty well, of times, okay? okay. When I tell you, it is ridiculous. Damn. And sometimes we just have to say, okay, the lifeline is cut off now. I did all I could do. Right. You are not going to suck me dry, okay? Yeah, While I'm trying yeah, to yeah. get over here and maintain myself, Ooh. it's a difficult time. And if you've overextended yourself with somebody and they don't appreciate it, that's on them. That's right. a character flaw that they have. That's not anything that should, right. should reflect on you. As long as you know yeah. you're a great person and you've done all you can right. do and you right. got to cut it off, then right. for your own mental well-being, I'm not going to sacrifice myself so that you can flourish and then you still don't appreciate it.
6: Yeah, you right. Hey, because right now, I I was listening to the show because I listen to it every morning, and I'm outside in my front yard across the street. I'm fishing right now. And mm-hmm. It's just calm. The water's calm, and I called mm-hmm. y'all right. because that was weighing on my mind. And when they said, "Ask ye, I want to call you. And get your little perception on what's going on, that I can get some advice. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it been weighing heavy on my mind. Because she's all the way down here from Flor up here from Florida, and like. Right. She's working, and we helped us save a lot of money. But now she thinks that she's going to just live with me, live with me for free. Nope. Take care of her baby. You see what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. my, my wife, I sleep next to this lady every night, so I don't want to hear that every night. So I say, hey, you got to go. Take your money and leave. And yeah, more. you did your part. Yeah, I, th- I thank y'all so much, man. But y'all are inspiration for me, and I started business. Can I give a shout-out to my business right quick? Please do. All right. I have Let's Go Bounce Houses. I'm stationed in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, we're a little overwhelmed, but I'm still going. And then we have right. two moms catering. Me and my wife, Shelly McDonald. Okay. And uh, well, I think that's so I I think that's... Y- yeah, we could. I got family that stay in Trenton. And okay. Long Branch.
1: I might hire you. I might hire you, brother. You, you, you're a minority right. business, yeah, black business. Sure. I might hire have, you for for one of my kids' parties, got- man.
6: We have water slide bounce houses. We have big bounce houses, medium size, right. everything. I invested everything in this and just it off.
1: And I'm okay, that's good. county. Well, well tag me on Instagram because I, I hire too. you, brother. Okay, we got hey, to how,
3: how ironic is it that he has let's go bounce houses and he just bounced his sister from the house?
1: Bounce
3: her. <laughs> <up. laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> hey, but hey, you, know, you got you to gotta put him to the curve, you know?
0: But no, you're
3: right, going right, to get
6: that,
0: you, gonna get that yes, house, King. You're going to get that house. Speak it into hey, existence. You're going to get I, that I, house.
6: Oh, I, I want to tell you this right quick before y'all hang up. I got a brother that be calling y'all radio station a lot, right? His name is Gary McDonald. Oh, yeah, we know Gary. Gary, we know Gary. We got some books out called of the Post. Well, I, I appreciate y'all for taking this call, but I'm doing good okay. for myself, and I ain't going to let nobody bring me down. All That's right, right. keep
3: it moving. I'm gonna start a business called bounce houses. I'm gonna help people bounce people out their house that they have overstayed their welcome.
1: You stupid. Ask <laughs> ye 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, you can call ye now. Now, we got rumors on the way, Ye.
3: Yes, and let's talk about Masika and some drama that she had yesterday with the Rose organization. She posted a video, and she got a lot of uh, backlash from it, and we'll tell you what happened.
1: All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club.
3: Morning, everybody. It's DJ
1: Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Masika. It's
4: time, time, time. She's
0: spilling the tea. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club.
3: All right. Well, Masika shocked everybody yesterday when she posted a video of herself looking like she was beat up, eyes red. Uh, It was makeup, though. And she posted, I've been kidnapped. I'm in a warehouse somewhere. I don't know where. I'm so scared. They took all my money and they want more. Please help me. Listen to this.
5: I gotta hurry up, guys.
4: I got beat up. I don't know how much time I have. I got beat really bad. (laughs) And they're coming. They said that you guys have to leave me tips and follow me so they can take the money, and they're not gonna let me go. (laughs) Guys, Please help tip me
3: hundred dollars each, or they let it, be it also said, "Click the link in my bio and subscribe to my OnlyFans and tip me, so they'll let me go. They're coming."
1: I didn't think yeah, it was I serious. I thought she was. I thought she was joking, trying to promote her, uh, her OnlyFans.
0: Yeah, but you know what? I hate hate, hate human trafficking. And if I'm Mm -hmm. being honest, as a father of three little girls and the way my anxiety is set up, that's like a a, a real root of it. And that's Mm -hmm. just something I don't want to see anybody playing about. You know what I'm saying? I get it. You're trying to raise money for the organization. But that was just poorly executed. It was. I think so, anyway. It definitely was.
3: All right. Well, the next post that she posted was an explanation. And she put, follow Rose Organization. Now, for more info on how to put an end to child and human sex trafficking, here's what she said. Hey guys, um, now that I got your attention, I wanted to talk about something very important. Um, I'm sorry if I scared you, but sometimes you need that shock factor. Um, I'm on set right now filming for my new show, and this is all camera makeup. I'm totally fine, guys, but um, the show that I am on right now is about child sex trafficking. And um, this is a very challenging role for me um, because this is something that I am very passionate about. Now this sparked a lot of controversy and this also, uh, Tony D Rivera was talking about it and she's been on The Breakfast Club and she said the organization is not partnering with Masika and the board will not be accepting any donations from OnlyFans. She said in reference to Masika doing a scene saying it was from my organization I thank her for the support but I did not approve of that video I will not and my organization will not be accepting donations from OnlyFans. That video triggered a lot of people and people ask me if I'm partnering with her. No. Rose is mine it kind of pissed me off because this is my life's work.
0: Yeah, certain things you don't play about. I mean, Masika, I wouldn't, if I'm Masika, I wouldn't be trying to bring that kind of energy into my life, even if it's for a good cause. You know, they always say you turn out to be what you pretend to be, you know? So I wouldn't bring that kind of energy mm-hmm. in my life. And I, and I I don't know her role in Tony's organization, but can we drop one of the clues bombs for Tony D. Rivera? Because She's really out here doing the work. Like Angelie he said, she's been on The Breakfast Club before. I think that was mm-hmm. last year. And I, and I, I met, met Tony yep. back, I met her back in the day in Columbia, South Carolina, where she when she was caught up in the, the web of a sex trafficker. And when I saw her last year, she reminded me that I gave her $30 and a half of a Subway sandwich and told her that she was better than that. And now look at her. She out here saving young girls. So salute to her.
3: Well, Masika then went and posted a letter from the Rose organization. And uh, Tony Rivera said that was not from her. That's not their letterhead. And so it was just a lot of back and forth. But at the end of it all, Masika did say that she does still support the organization, even though she's not on the board anymore. I don't know if they really did ask her or didn't ask her to be part of the board, but she said uh, she does support the work that they are doing.
0: Yeah, this all sounds like a big misunderstanding. It just sounds like miscommunication. Mm-hmm. It sounds like if uh, Tony and Masika would have just got on the phone, they could have, right. you know, figured it all out. But mm-hmm. it's like all this back and forth on social media just causes confusion.
3: But I could see Tony Rivera being upset about that video. That is a triggering thing. You can't just post a video I imagine, like that. Yeah. Absolutely,
0: but call, but call Masika and tell her that. You know what I mean? And then let Masika come out with a statement that all of y'all have sat down and formulated Ooh. together. You, Tony,
1: Marcia Dyson, sleep right. to Marcia Dyson. You know? Because in no all actuality, I'm she was trying because, to so raise money to help the cause, right? She just did it in the wrong way, correct? That's what Right, we were but you know what? Yeah. She
3: also probably wanted to put that out on social media because people might have thought it was something that she had came up with and approved of and they worked mm-hmm. on together. So maybe she wanted to specify, I didn't have anything to do with that. And because sure. it was put out on social media, she wanted to make sure she stopped it right there. You know, so I don't know. But um, all right. Jeff Bezos is the world's first man worth $200 billion. He is the first person ever to be worth that much with Amazon share price climbing another 2.3% and all of that. Now he's worth more than huge brands like McDonald's, Nike and Pepsi.
0: Ain't got no holes though.
3: What? <laughs> what? You
0: say? Do with I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just hating. See that see that's Goodness the gracious, see, that's the that's the that's the inner wounded child in me. You know what I mean? And you ain't, you ain't got sound,
3: none
0: either. I don't. All right. It just sounded like hating. something I would Shut it sounded like asking. something I would say when I was a kid when I was hating on somebody. He ain't got mm-hmm. no holes though.
3: Okay, well, 50 Cent, his uh, 24-7 drama that's starring T.I. that's inspired by Notorious C.O.P., the inside story of the Tupac, Biggie, and Jam Master J investigations from NYPD's first hip-hop cop. They are in final negotiations for that project. So congratulations to them, 50 Cent and T.I., working together. We saw them going salute back to- and forth, but mm-hmm. in reality, they're cool with each other and working together.
0: Yeah, salute to 50 and tip on that. But I have to say, uh, the good brother Mano, Mano had a great idea for the hip hop cop uh, show years, 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 years ago. So I, I wish I was, was involved in that as well. I mean, that's what it was about. It was based on the hip hop police here in New York mm-hmm. City. So it was kind of like, um, what's some shows, with some cop shows like CSI and yep, yep. Law and Order and all that. And that. It was, that. It was like that, but it was based off the hip hop police.
3: All right. 50 Cent also has Power Book 2 Ghosts premiering on Star September 6th. That's really soon. So uh, that's coming, I guess. What is that like next week? Yeah, and week. he was doing he was doing Variety's Entertainment Marketing Summit, and he said he doesn't care whether or not people love him or hate him as long as they care. He said, I'm an entertainer, so to entertain is to provoke emotion. I don't believe I can be canceled. He said, you got to go to jail to get canceled. They got to shoot a girl. You got to do something yeah. extremely bad to be canceled, and I think it's so unfair to the people that are canceled. Uh, then he also just talked about uh, heterosexual males and there's no organization for them. He said, if you say something about someone who chooses something different, there's organizations set up to start sending things around to get signatures and stuff. And tell me this, as a heterosexual male, who's going to send things around to get signatures based on your failures? There's no one. There's no organization. Certain demographics have been conditioned because they've been taken advantage of in the earliest states. Once inferior, now they're superior because we have no organization. The biggest target is heterosexual males in general. Let's have a
0: discussion about that uh because mean? he's not he's not wrong about a lot of the things that he's saying the problem with cancel culture is people get canceled for a lack of education right don't cancel me for what i don't Correct. know cancel me for what i'm not willing to learn like it's plenty of times you know i might be ignorant to something so i'll say something or i'll be in a conversation with somebody and i may not quite get it and people will jump all over you for that but that's when you're supposed to educate a person right not not, not try to cancel them that's what it's and, suppo- um, that's what it's supposed to be the part about nobody's here to protect heterosexual men. I think that heterosexual men, our privilege allows us a lot of protection here in America. You know what People I'm saying? People aren't
3: getting jumped on the street for being a heterosexual male for their sexuality. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I get what he's trying to say, but our privilege as heterosexual men is what, uh you know, we have privilege over women in a lot of spaces. We have privilege over mm-hmm. gay people in a lot of spaces. So you got to use that privilege to combat prejudice. So I think our privilege allows us um, protection. But if nobody, if, if, if what 50 is saying is true and nobody's here to protect heterosexual men, I'm gay.
3: Hmm?
0: Let me eat your boogie. All right. Well,
3: I'm Angela Yee, and that is your room report. I guess that's part of it. Thank you, you now Rogers, for that anthem. I'm coming out. (laughs) Did
1: you say?
3: (laughs) Earlier today, and yeah, Um, there you have it.
1: All right, Charlemagne. Thank you. I mean, you said some crazy stuff today.
3: I'm not not shocked. Me neither. Wasn't too. All
1: right. Well, Revolt. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice mixes up next, and um, yeah. All right. Don't look at me like that either. All right. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, I don't really know Woo! what's going on with this show, but, you know, Charlamagne has gave us a lot of information this morning that
3: mm-hmm.
1: I really don't know, you know, how to take it. You know, um, he's stepping up.
3: What's the, hey, uh, what's the big
1: deal? No, it's not a big deal, but...
3: He's, yeah.
1: Well, these are some of the comments that Charlemagne made earlier in the show.
3: Let me eat your bonkey yeah. I'm gay. I love that he did this today when Nile Rogers was on and we talked about the biggest gay anthem ever, I'm Coming Out. That's I think right. that's Cont- amazing timing.
0: Listen, context matters. Um, I will sue this radio station um, <laughs> and, and still work here. Okay? Envy, you're a master at that. All right. <laughs> For I will- what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will sue this radio station, get paid, and still work here. Context what is the matters? basis of mm-hmm. your
3: lawsuit?
1: Yes. If,
0: uh, defamation. Why? You said it, not us. I said that that's out of context. I
1: didn't say it in that context. And okay. you always talk about my brown eyes. So there's yeah, it it fits. You have Pause. brown eyes. Two that's of them, maybe brown
3: three. Eye. <laughs> you know
1: what? I ain't messing with y'all, man. Shout to Nile Rogers for joining us this morning. <laughs> Salute yes, to Nile Rogers. Rogers. That was a very informative conversation.
3: And make mm-hmm. sure you check out his We Are Family Foundation and go on that. I actually just did something with them the other day. And we are also promoting We Are Family Foundation for Angela Yee Day, which is happening tomorrow. You know how you have something big happening and you're like, okay, I'm excited for it, but I also can't wait till it's over? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a lot of work, so but I'm watching the concert that you guys will get to see tomorrow, and it's amazing. I want to thank all the artists who participated in VP Records, Uh, Romaine Virgo, Noah Power, Queen Africa, Kes, Josh Zantis, Christopher Martin, Aji, D Major, Hood Celebrity, Cranium, Beanie Man, it's all Soca, Dance Hall, Reggae, so I'm really excited for that tomorrow. I can't wait till y'all see it. That's dope, dope, dope.
1: All right. Well, um, when we come back, we got the positive note, so don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, uh, Charlamagne, you got a positive note? I do. Um, I saw my homegirl, Shaniqua Golden. Uh, she posted this
0: yesterday on Instagram, and I think it's very sound advice for all black people. Black people, I encourage you to decompress, take a walk, read a book. Open up your Bible, drink some tea, schedule time with your therapist, take a breath, take a bath, do what you need to do to care for yourself in order to fight another day. You must live to see it.
6: Breakfast club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?